0: Having settled the issue of Christ's finished work, the next and most important thing we must know is that we pray using our new identity in Christ. Amen. And that terminology, I know it's been in the scriptures forever, but for some reason, the body of Christ, we have not really come to understand it well enough and we are just now beginning to scratch the surface if you don't know your identity you will not be able to appropriate the benefits of the will or the testament or the promises that Jesus has made for us huge First of all, you cannot be entitled to it if you don't have the right ID. How ridiculous will it be, Apostle Charles, if when Rockefeller died, you just went, you just went in. You are not invited. You just went to the place where they're going to read his will. And you, and you get crushed the room and said, well, Rockefeller is reading his will today. Uh, I, I'm sure he left something for me. They're going to ask you who you are, whose you are, and they're going to show you quickly how to get out of the room. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because you have no relationship, definable, established relationship upon which you qualify to get something. So for a child of God, position yeah, Jesus died for you. You believe in him. Yeah, that's true. But if you don't understand the essence of what it means to be a new identity in Christ Jesus, all the benefits will be there. All the promises are yes and amen, but you still will not get anything. So the issue of ID is absolutely critically important. And Jesus, I mentioned this last Sunday, helped us to understand how our identity directs our behavior. Yes. That's the reason ID is important. The identity you believe and you bear directs how you behave and, and live. So in John chapter 8, verse 37, Jesus told those Pharisees, he said, you want to kill me I know you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Jump to verse 44. Verse 44. Now look at what it says to them. Why why would they want to kill him? Why? Because their identity is driving this murderous behavior in them. You are of your father the devil. That's why you want to kill me because your father is a devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Kai, the desire. Listen, if you, oh God, God help us over these next few days, weeks, months to establish this issue of identity because once you get it right, and it happens all in your mind. Once you get to the point where you get it right. The desires of God will be driving you, yeah. not your own desires. Amen. That's why another scripture says, for as a man thinks, so is he. In fact, pause right there, this scripture. Okay, let me finish this one, and I'm going to, uh, and then you can go to Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23, I believe in the good news Bible, if you guys have it. God help you. <laughs> Did you hear me? Good news Bible, GNB. I hope, okay. So you are the father of the devil and does desires of a father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. So this is years later now. And he said to them, you guys, you're murderers. You know why? Because your father is also a murderer. Have you ever heard it before? Like father, like son? Yeah. Automatic. Like father, like son. That's why we must understand and appreciate the new creation. Because in and through the new creation, we are cut away from our old identity and now giving God's identity and God makes me and you, makes us one with himself. Amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, it's a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. So at the new creation, at the new birth, when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you became one with him and therefore you receive his identity. Look at the scripture for for Proverbs 4.23. Be careful what you think. (laughs) Why? Because your life is shaped by your thoughts. For as long as you continue to think about your ID being your old creation, your old mind, and your natural lifestyle, you're going to live like a natural mind. That's what the scripture is saying. For as long as you identify with your natural, physical entity and refuse to upgrade your thinking, to embrace, to believe, and to accept that you are now a new creation, that you have a new idea, and that ID says you are a child of God. But once you embrace your new ID, the thoughts, the desires, the purposes of God's heart, becomes transferred to you the feelings the thoughts and the purposes of god's heart becomes transferred to you once you embrace your new creation id now let me let me caution you this is not a one-time one-moment deed we're all in church now it's easy for me and you all of us to embrace i'm a new creation But this embracing of this new creation is a continuum. 24-7, every situation, everything you find yourself, I'm not just a new creation today and tomorrow I'm not. No, it's a continuum. That's how it works. That's where the result comes to play. But let me move on from there today. So we've established the finished work. We've established the fact that we have a new creation identity. So now the question is, in 1 John 3 the Bible says, the devil sins from the beginning. And then that verse ends by saying that for this purpose, the Son of Man was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That is truth. So if the works of the devil has been destroyed, why are we still struggling? If the works of the devil has been destroyed, why do I need to pray? Why are we struggling? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do the innocent suffer? So, let's get to it. (laughs) <laughs> Amen. Are you here this morning? Yes. To answer those questions, theologians tell us it's all because of sin. Bad thing happens to good people because of sin. The innocent suffer because of sin. On and on and on and on. Now there is a partiality of truth that sin created these problems. It's just not complete truth. Are you following me? So theologians blame it on sin. Traditional Christianity blame it on God. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Someone sent me a text yesterday with that quotation. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of the Lord. So theologians blame sin, traditional Christianity blames God. But what does the Bible have to say? Let's go to Psalms 115, verse 16. Psalms 115, verse 16. <laughs> the book of Psalms, Psalm. <laughs> not for Samoa. <Samuel. laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. We need to put a special mic back there, because they don't hear, they don't hear very well back there. We need a special microphone or special speakers for them. Praise God. (laughs) Psalms 115, verse 16, 1-6. Thank you. (laughs) So why do bad things happen to good people? Why do innocent suffer? Theologians have one answer. Religious, traditional Christianity comes up with a different answer. But this is what God says. They haven't. Even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth it has given to the children of man. Custodian responsibility for the earth has been given to men and women. End of story. So bottom line is, no matter what happens on this planet, the buck stops with us. Amen. Now, from time immemorial, man has been in a blame-shifting business. Because if you remember in the garden, when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion over the earth. Not over the not heaven, but over the earth. Everything and earth. He said, this is in your purview. This is your responsibility. Now, when man fell into sin, and God came and talked to Adam, what happened? Blame shifting began. Adam, where are you? What happened? Did you eat of the fruit or the woman that you gave me? <laughs> he didn't answer the question. It's like a politician that, some of these politicians, you ask him a question, no direct answer. They just pivot. So today, so today, when bad things happen, it's easy for me and you to blame the government. So if you are from Cameroon, you say what's the problem in Cameroon? Ah, it's the French Cameroonians. If you ask uh, another Cameroon, you say, oh no, it's the Anglo, uh, the English-speaking Cameroon. We always blame somebody else. In the United States, when things don't work, if you are a Republican, you say it's Barack Obama. <laughs> And if you're a Democrat, if things are not working, you say it's Donald Trump. And if you're an independent, you blame the Russians. (laughs) You gotta blame somebody. We forget the scripture. The heaven, even the heavens, belong unto the Lord our God. But the earth... He has given to the sons of men, you and I. An angel has no authority to speak into the earth. An angel. As much as some people in the church almost worship angels, you don't understand that even angels has no responsibility, or capacity, or authority to speak into the earth. That's why demonic spirits are always looking to enter into a human being, because that demonic spirit understands that only the human being has the correct ID, authority, capacity to speak into the earth. So angels cannot carry out the assignment without the cooperation of a human entity. Because the heavens, even the heavens, belong unto God. But the earth he has given to the children of men. So now why do bad things happen to good people? And why do the innocent suffer? Go, to, go with me to Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. Revelation, chapter 5, verse 6. <laughs> Revelation, chapter 5, verse 6. Thank you very much. You got it. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders. <laughs> Go to verse 9. I'm sorry. I gave it the wrong verse. Go to verse 10. <laughs> ah, finally. Finally, brethren. <laughs> Revelation 5:10. And have made us. Why did he give us the earth? He has made us by his blood. If you look, you can see this in Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. He loved us, washed us by His blood, and has made us kings and priests. Now, in this chapter 5, verse 10, it adds a little more to it. He has made us kings and priests to our God. And what's the next sentence? We shall reign on the earth. We shall reign on the earth. Who is the we? Us. The you, you, as you sit down here now, God has given you responsibility, authority, capacity to reign on the earth. Three people said amen. The rest of you don't believe it. You see, that, 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 that's, 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 that's our problem in the church. Because you are trying to see if your bank account corresponds with your kingship. Cash. You are measuring the authority that you carry on the basis of natural physical things. Yes. So you're saying, I'm struggling to pay my rent. I'm struggling to pay my car note. I don't even have a job. I've not finished school. Therefore, kings, mm, I don't qualify. No, in the natural. You do not qualify. Yes. But Colossians says, he, God, has qualified you. Yes. I made it to be so. Listen to me. If you and I do not accept responsibility for the earth, then we, do, we should not expect the resources to get the job done. The tools, the resources, the capacity, all of the grace and the enablement that it will take to reign and rule over the earth, only comes with the understanding and the embracing. Yes, God, I'm a king. Yes, God, I'm a priest. Here am I, God. Send me, use me. I'm available. Here am I, God. It is only then God places decrees in your mouth. What do kings do? They issue decrees. They make declarations. Yeah. Let's move on. Now, we're taking it very slowly. So, we consider the fact that bad things happen to good people, innocent suffer, needs are not met, but do we ever pause to consider the possibility that bad things happen is because we, the kings, called to rule in God's name, allow them to happen? Listen, I don't have time. I, I could lay this out layer by layer by layer, line by line by lie. In Genesis 18, before the law came, God was on a trip to Sodom to go and destroy it. And God said, I cannot go do it except I talk to my friend Abraham. Oh! In Genesis eighteen eighteen, God said, knowing or seeing that through him, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Can I not go and destroy a nation without talking to a man to whom I have given the authority to? A whole God had to make a detour and go and speak to Abraham first, even though he had destruction on his heart for Sodom. He could not do it. In other words, God said, Abraham, would you, would you give me permission in the earth? I understand the earth now. You are custodian. And yes, what I'm about to do is not such a great thing. But Abraham, you can either say yea or no. Abraham started to pray. To stand in the gap. He began to negotiate yes, with God. If you find 50 righteous, will you do it? No. If you find 40, no. He began to negotiate. Knowing what you and I know now, he didn't have to negotiate. He could have just simply said, God, stay. Stay the execution. Don't go. Don't destroy it. But he was negotiating down the numbers. And by the time they got to number 10, there still was no 10 righteous people in Sodom. Do you hear what I'm saying to you about your authority? Yeah. Say this after me. Say, "I am, I am a, child God, a child of God, and I have made, I have made a king, a king and, a and a priest on the earth. On the earth. I, reign I reign in the, the earth. earth in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen." See, my friends. We are not speaking of a one in the years message that you will not hear again from, from until 12 months later. I am talking about things that should permeate your mind and your heart on a daily basis. Your identity as a child of God, your authority as a king. Why do you think Jesus is called King of Kings? Wow. Who are the kings that is king over? He is the king of kings, of which I'm looking at kings all over this room right now. (laughs) Unfortunately, many of us don't know the throne upon which we are seated. But there we come, the revelation. I am telling you, something is going to go on in the inside of you where you're going to start issuing decrees and making declarations by the authority of the finished work of Christ and by the understanding of the fact that you carry his DNA. Yes. Yes. So the issue is we don't know how. Ah, in Genesis chapter 17, and I need to move fast. Genesis 17, verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. God is speaking to Abraham. And I will make nations of you. (laughs) And kings shall come from you. Hey, glory to God! Has God made Abraham exultantly fruitful? Yes. Yes. Thank you, God. Can we argue with that today? I will make nations of you, and he says, and kings shall come from you. Give me verse sixteen, the same chapter. Same chapter, verse 16. Thank you, God. And I will bless her and give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Amen. Listen, you don't have to be a deep student of the Bible to know that this is talking about you and I. You find that in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 3. paul is establishing the covenant and making the distinction between the new covenant and the old covenant is used abraham and sarah so i'm trying to convince you of the authority you carry now ah yeah 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 being a king has to do with authority and with power watch this god gave that authority to adam We saw that in the scriptures, in Genesis. But Adam lost it. This is the thing. What Adam lost, Jesus took back. We already told you on Wednesday, and Pastor Larry made reference to that this morning, the reason for Jesus' resurrection One of the most powerful reasons is the fact that he has to overlook to make sure the will is enforced. It is true that there are many wills on the face of the earth right now in contention. And two people, two families, as I'm speaking right now, who had a deceased member, in fact, one of them, I don't. I don't know what the equivalency of the SAN is in the US. SAN in Nigeria, a lawyer, advocate. Okay. One of the, one of these persons that I'm referring to right now that I'm just thinking about is a very highly placed legal entity. Wrote a will, gave properties to to their children. Upon his uh, departure, this man has been dead now at least 15 years. The will is not resolved yet. It is still in litigation because the kids are fighting it. They say, No, daddy did not give you that property. He was not in his right mind when he wrote this will. <laughs> True story. Unfortunately, that is no longer here to say, Yes, in fact, I did. I gave it to him. He's gone. So God made sure that Jesus not only wrote a will and he had to die for the will to be in force. But where God narrowly really threw a double worm on the devil, he rose Jesus back up from the dead. So he not only wrote it he now has the ability to enforce what he wrote mm-hmm. Amen. this promise is yes sir yes daddy i wrote it it's for her yes this is for her. yes it's for her. yes it's true yes I, I, I was in my right mind yes it's for her. now this is important adam a human being lost it the authority over the earth and God's word will not be annulled. Psalms 115, verse 16. The heavens, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children of men. Adam, a man, lost it. And the angel cannot regain it. It will not be right. A, 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 a divinity cannot regain it. It will be rigged. So God had to package himself inside the womb of a woman. In the season that we are celebrating Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. God had to become man. Because man lost it, man must regain it. Hallelujah. In God's wisdom, he now came as a man back and give to us what a man lost. So a man lost it and a man gained it. (laughs) Hey, Folks, if you're going to start celebrating Christmas, you need to know why. Christmas is God's gift to humanity. A gift to reconnect us back to that which Adam lost that is now found in Christ Jesus. A man lost it, and a man gained it back. Second Adam, or last Adam, actually. Now, let me just wrap this up by a simple story to understand what I'm trying to say about praying. So last week we established the fact that Christ finished the works. We are established the fact that you and I have a new identity in Christ Jesus. And so today the point I'm trying to make in how in learning how to pray simply is this. Now we pray according to Revelation. Now that's not that's not the only prayer now. This is just one, this is just one aspect for today. We're going to, in the weeks to come, we're going to cover the rest of them. So again, this is why I encourage you guys to come out on Wednesday night. This is not a one-shot message. This is a long series of short messages to bring us into complete truth regarding prayer. So today I'm just speaking on the issue of praying according to Revelation. The song the other and the team just sang, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.'" Yeah. One of the things he said in that last verse was, "'Because you said it.'" Can you just quickly, can you read those, the, the, line, the lines of that song for me? I'm sorry, I did, I've not memorized it. <laughs> ah, D.L. you have to refer to something to, you, you don't remember how? heart? <laughs> Listen, I'm looking at the other. I thought you I, I thought you wrote the song. <laughs> so so you, you have to Google it too? Okay, excuse me. <laughs> T- thank God for Mr. Google, praise God. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus. Look at the next sentence. Just to take you at your word. This is one level of praying. Praying at the level of the revelation of God's word. Just to rest, what? Upon your promise. Same thing as the word. Where's the promise? In the will. In the will. In this will, he has promises, he has words, he has statements that he has made concerning you. And to know, thus said the Lord. To know that what I'm reading, what I'm trusting for, what the promises are, you, God, said them. That is another level of praying which is critical, just along with the other forms. This is not one-off. No, it's one-off. I need to say that again. I don't want you to just come today and don't come next Sunday and the Sunday Saturday and say, ah, there's only one prayer. No, it's not just one way of praying. This is just one of them. Finished work, identity, and then you move to pray according to Revelation. Which revelation? What God has said. His word, His promises, what He said. Now, to show you a classic example of this from the Scriptures, I will not read the passages. I will tell you the story because many of you are familiar with it. The book of Esther. The book of Esther. In the story of Esther... There are three or four main actors. Number one, we see a man called Haman, who is a type of Satan who hated the Jews. The Jews, in that story, the book of Esther, is a picture of the church. Number two, you have a man by the name of Mordecai, who was a type of the word of God. Number three, you have Esther herself, who became the queen, the bride, who was a type of the believer. When you read the story, she was guided by Mordecai into the palace as queen. Are you following me so far? In due time, Mordecai, the word, knew the plan of Satan to destroy the church, the Jews. He made known this plan to Esther, the believer, who at the first instance wasn't moved, nor seemed concerned because she was at ease in Zion. When Mordecai first told Esther, Haman hey is planning to kill the Jews. Haman hey represents Satan. The Jews represent the church. Esther represents the queen, the bride. Mm-hmm. Mordecai, the word, spoke to the bride. Spoke to Esther. Esther, Haman hey is trying to destroy the church. Mm-hmm. Esther was not moved at the first instance. You know why? She was comfortable. She was comfortable. Her meals did not fail. Her status as the queen was intact. She sat next to the king, and she was totally, completely comfortable. And she said, so what? Translation. Many of us are totally numb to the needs around us. Once we start talking about Southeast Asia, we turn off because your Lexus is parked in your driveway. You have a job to go to on Monday morning. Once we start talking about anything other than you, you turn off. Your kids are doing well. You have food on the table. You wear the latest clothes, nice shoes. You have great jobs, all the devices and gadgets. And for you and I, for many of us, we are totally oblivious to what moves the heart of God. God help us. I told the team that went with me to Vietnam this last time, I sat them in the room, I said, listen, I, I'm hearing all these great things you guys are saying. How is this gonna change you when you get home? What thrills me is not so much what God has done on the field because God does that, he's faithful. But what thrills me is how is your life gonna change when you get back to Atlanta? How? Because if it does not change you, If it does not leave you changed, you just wasted your time and your money. you just engaging in global tourism. You may as well join the National Geographic Club. If your life does not change, if you don't make some hard decisions, seeing those people do so much with little, little and they are not stuck on what they don't have they are rejoicing over what they do have yes. hey hallelujah Woo, glory to god man i'm having a fit in this place this morning they are god in heaven right. okay. <laughs> they are god in heaven Amen. so when Mordecai fostered esther the jews are going to be destroyed she said so what <laughs> hmm so at least if we destroy them, I'm still here. I'm still in the palace. But Mordecai did not stop. Thank God for the word of God. Hallelujah. You read that word in Psalms 23, and then you read it a week later. You read Thessalonians, the same word comes up. Have you ever noticed sometimes when God is haunting me and you down? You read it in church, you turn on your radio, the same word will come. You turn on the TV, the same one would come. You read a magazine, the same one would come. Why? Because God is trying to get your attention. So Mordecai did not give up. Esther, have you considered your purpose? Mm. Have you considered for a moment that you were brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? Have you considered that God brought you into this palace for this very reason? Yes. And to all my brothers and sisters of African descent, some of you came by boat, others by air, others by bus, others on a horse. But the point is, you are here now. Yes. Have you considered that perhaps God brought you here for a purpose? Amen. Have you considered that God did not bring you here just to be like the Joneses? Have you considered there's a purpose under heaven for which God has sanctioned and given you grace? What are you gonna do with it? How many new cars can you buy? How many rooms can you sleep in a house? How many new leather coats can you wear? Because Mother car said to, Esther, have you considered that God brought you up for such a time as this? Esther said, (laughs) Yeah. I never thought about that. And she was galvanized into action. Galvanized into action. And she made this famous statement If I perish, perish, I perish. I pray to God. That God will place this burning passion. In fact, I know he's already placed it. So let me reverse the prayer. I pray that God will ignite the passion that is placed in each one of us. The passion for greatness. The passion to reign. The passion to execute judgment in the eye, The passion to see the glory of God come back to Recognize we are not mere men and women. We are supernatural entities. Supernatural beings for supernatural exploits. With that charge, Esau went into the king. Mind you, Haman by this time has convinced the king to issue a death decree on every Jew. The king assigned it and sealed it. So the entire church was under a death sentence. As Ezekiel said in chapter 22, verse 30, God was only looking for a man who would stand in the gap so that destruction would not come into the land. Do you realize what your praying will do to move the hand of God in India? Do you realize what your faithfulness in the place of prayer by revelation will do to stem back the forces of darkness in a particular place at a given time? But when good men fail to pray, bad things are bound to happen. When good men and women fail to pray according to the revelation of God, bad things are bound to happen. And we better not blame God. Amen. It's given us the tools. So Esther went to the king. And to make the story long story, it's a long story short, the death sentence was annulled. Amen. Who planned the death sentence now found himself hung on the same cross or gallow that he had prepared for Medicare. That sounds similar to the gospel. Absolutely. Because we know that when Jesus went to that cross, yeah. my God, all the ordinances, accusations and all the things that the enemy had written concerning you and I, the Bible said Jesus nailed them on his cross. Hallelujah! The same cross, my God, where he thought he was gonna defeat Jesus Christ was what Jesus now used to defeat him. That's where we are today. You and I are called to pray according to the revelation of God's word. Mordecai, the word of God, revealed to Esther what was about to happen. There's a place in God where God reveals to us what's about to take place. The issue is will he find faithful man and woman? will rise up to the occasion and say, God, you've spoken it, we'll pray it. Yeah. Amen. This is the point I'm making this morning. When we abdicate our kingly role, people suffer. Mm. It's just that simple. So passive unbelief, hear this, stays on the sidelines and doesn't lift a finger to help. Passive unbelief. Stays by the sidelines. Things are happening. People are doing things. You just just become a spectator. You don't do jack. You don't lift a finger to help. But faith raises its hands. It volunteers. It speaks out. It defends. And it seeks to administer justice in the name of a righteous king. That's what we're called to do. We are kings in the earth. And as kings, God expects for you and I to reign and to serve. Ah, here we go again. As kings in the earth, God wants us to reign. And through our reigning, serve mankind. My Christianity must translate into service of some sort that benefits, enhances, and lifts up mankind. It has to. Because if it's not, it's not the same Christianity Jesus brought. It's not. So, I've closed, I'm closing. As a charge to give us the practicals of what we're talking about and what we'll be talking about for a few days, or a few weeks. December 27th through New Year's Eve. I'm calling a time of concerted prayer effort. Friday, December 27th, through Tuesday, December 31, New Year's Eve. Let me try to recall the times. On Friday at 7.30 p.m., we're going to come here and be charged encouraged in the Word of God for about 25, 30 minutes and pray for at least one hour. This is not going to be one-hour gig. Okay, all of you that are sad, God give you joy in Jesus' name. <laughs> Folks, we can't continue to do business as usual. We just can't. We just can't. I'm encouraging, inviting, I'm asking all of you to be here. But if you cannot come enjoy, stay home. Because I don't want you to hinder what God wants to do. Five days. December the 27th, uh, Friday night, 7.30 p.m. And God will help us to live at 9. Saturday, holiday season, festivities, celebrations. We won't take your parties away. We have mercy on you. 12 noon on Saturday. December 28th, 12 noon. 1.30, we'll be out of here. Monday, Tuesday, we go back. No, Monday, we go back to 7.30 p.m. And Tuesday night, New Year's Eve, 9 p.m. Sunday the 29th, I think it is. Yes, Sunday 29th. The entire Sunday morning, this service, will be all a few words, a few minutes of word, and we are going to pray. What is our theme? Raining to serve reigning to serve he's made us kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth but there's no something as reigning where there's no serving go and look at Thailand every Thai will tell you what the previous king did you you cannot talk to a Thai for five minutes without referencing that king but I told you you were there they, they, when he died they mourned him for one year one year in sackcloth and he was not a young man but they did that because of his contribution to the enhancement and equality the of their life go and find Abacha, what Abacha did for Nigeria <laughs> amen So as kings who reign, our reigning must be backed up by serving. Serving our communities. Serving ourselves. Serving the kingdom of God. Serving the nations. Otherwise, your reigning has no meaning. So the theme again is reigning to serve. Amen? So Father, we want to thank you. But I want you to say, man, a woman here this morning, this afternoon, who does not know you? We don't want to close the service without giving them that opportunity to do so. You've called us as your children, paid for by the incredible, powerful blood of Jesus. And so, Father God, if there's a man or woman here that's wavering, do not know who they are, do not know of your gracious gift of righteousness, Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit will just help them to make a decision now. And so if that's you, if you're here, you want to be born again. You want to become a child of God. You want to receive the gift of righteousness that comes by faith, through faith, in Jesus, the Son of God. If you just raise up your hand, we want to pray with you. Is anybody here today? says I want to receive this gift, the gift of God's righteousness by faith. I want to be born again. I want to be saved. Is there anybody here today? Is there anybody that says, I want to be saved, I want to be born again? I say, Father, we want to thank you for your seed of your word. Thank you, Lord God, that you will help us, you will teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit. You establish us. And so we bless you, we honor you, now and forever, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, God bless you. Amen.